And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 60 minutes. No, he's not an actor. He's an honest-to-God police captain. So honest-to-God that he risked his career to free an innocent man on death row. Then it's murder, she wrote, starring Angela Lansbury. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. Wasn't he pointing the other way? Of course, people do go both ways. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday and I'm Dave Dufour and that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Joining me as always, Seth Partnow, Mo Dekeel. What's up, fellas? Do you time the pause between Nerder, she wrote, or do you just vary it every time? Well, super producer Jade Hoy sent me a clip of <laughs> Pat Summerall. Sent you a clip of She Pat sent Summerall. me a clip of Pat Summerall and John Madden and Pat Summerall making the toss for Angela Lansbury in Nerder, or in, excuse me, in Murder, she wrote. And he holds the pause. And so I'm trying to, uh, let's just say we'll, Pay homage to Pat Summerall there and Angela Lansbury. Oh, honest to God that he risked his career to free an innocent man on death row. Then it's murder, she wrote, starring Angela Lansbury. With the comma. Mm-hmm. Commas matter. We care about punctuation on this program. Because we're nerds. Uh, well, guys, guys, guys. Although we're sorry, not pedants. Sorry, 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 we're not guys, guys, so. uh, My editors would like to refute the fact that I care about grammar. <laughs> just, just, I just need to just let them, like, give yeah. them the shout out. They would definitely, if they heard this, they'd be like, Mo cares about grammar? What are we talking about? Uh, the last week continues the, the string, guys. Uh, the NBA is a lot of fun right now. It's still random. Sadiq Bay had a 50-point game, which I think kind of Against uh, Orlando. was a nice exclamation point. On last week's show for us, yes, against Orlando, who's what they've given up four fifty-point games or something this season. It's oh, oh a, a, a terrible absurd. teams, terrible at defense and terrible at defending somebody. Oh, shocking! <laughs> it's weird, um, but some of the some of the teams are just doing fun stuff. And we we've talked about Cleveland a ton this year. We we mentioned how they play three bigs and how that how crazy that is, guys. The New Orleans Pelicans have. Just surprised the hell out of me. I'll just be honest here. I didn't expect much out of him. Zion being hurt and hasn't played all year and such a huge gaping hole in their lineup. Not a ton of talent. They started 1-12 under new coach Willie Green. And they're now in the play-in. I mean, this is a team that's basically playing 500 ball since that 1-12 start. He's playing Jackson Hayes as a tall ball four next to Jonas Valanciunas. And they were doing that with Brandon Ingram at the three, very similar to the Cleveland Cavaliers, very similar to the Memphis Grizzlies. And the the teams that we've actually really thought have 
been showing their coaching smarts. The Pelicans are getting a coaching clinic every single night from Willie Green. He's coaching his ass off. The Pelicans are fun. You guys agree? Yeah. I mean, it's it's isn't it cool? Listen, Jackson Hayes as a as a small or as a tall ball four, I never would have thought about this two seasons ago. So this is sort of a comparison, something uh, a spot that we'll get and we'll get to this later. A spot that we're kind of looking at in the playoffs is Philly for the umpteenth year in a row. Philly with Joel Embiid off the floor, and I think the 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 larger point here is play your good players, don't play your bad players. Figure it out. Like you know. A big part of like New Orleans' run has, has kind of been uh, Garrett Temple sort of exiting the rotation because as you know, as wonderful a teammate and a solid player as he's been, it's not he's thirty five years old and kind of can't do it anymore. And it, you know that the, so let's move him out of the rotation, someone else in. Okay, it's positionally weird. We'll figure it out. And it and it has been awkward, but the other thing that has been so impressive, Mo, they added C.J. McCollum. And it's worked perfectly. It's been seamless. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 rolling really quite well. I think it's really flown under the radar how good New Orleans has been after their terrible start. Because every time we talk New Orleans, what do we talk about? Zion. We're Zion. That's it. And that's it. And that's, and that's the end of the discussion. We don't really get into everything that they're doing. Like when you look at the fact that they started, what, 1-12? The, the start of the season and they're in the playing tournament right now. Like they've been basically playing 500 ball or better since then. Like it's, it's, you're looking at that stuff and you'd kind of just say, if he did this at the start of the season, they didn't have this one in 12 start. We might be looking at Willie green as coach of the year. I actually think I, I want to flip the logic a little bit here because Matt Moore made a similar argument. If it wasn't for the one in 12 start guys, I think that the one in 12 start is a great place to begin the argument for Willie Green as coach of the year, because this is a brand new coach. That's not his team. The first 13 games, his team has is in the play in. And maybe if he had had more run up to the season somehow, or had been here last year, this might be a team that's fighting for an at birth playoff berth. I mean, this is, this team has played above itself and I can just point to the coaching because we've seen the improvements internally. If if we are uh, using that as the metric, uh, Ime Udoka would like to have a word yeah, in I that mean, conversation. Look, again, there's another guy though. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to the where, Celtics. We will. Yeah, and and look, uh, there aren't a lot of bums coaching right now in the NBA. In general, we, we no. are, there's a renaissance happening in, in, as far as I'm concerned, in basketball coaching in the NBA. We have people from various backgrounds. I mean. Nick Nurse, we talk about all the crazy places that he's coached, but all these guys they've coached in the G League. They've been, a, I mean, Ime Odoka was an assistant forever with Greg Popovich. They, we have such a a unique pool of coaching talent. And it's really nice to see them getting a chance to show off a little bit, get a little weird. Basketball is more fun that way. Coaching got much better once we uh, got rid of Boylan. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Okay. Now, no. All right. <laughs> all right ne- next topic here, guys. Okay. So we, we talked a few weeks ago about clear cut and how it was awful to make clear cut arguments for anyone to we- win any award because they are, you know, subjective. Now in your column, Seth, you made a case that Marcus Smart's the defensive player of the year, now, but you did not say clear cut. And I want to applaud you for it, but I do want to talk about this because I think you have stumbled on to something important. 
we continue to undervalue point of attack defense and guard defense and wing defense. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the whole defensive player of the year argument. But we were we have gotten to the point now where we're running out of guys that are bigs to give it to, and we're starting to look at the guards finally. And, and Seth, I just want to applaud you on leading the charge for Marcus Smart as well, defensive player of the year. I like don't don't go don't like scratch my back too hard because like part of the reason why. Um, first of all, he bullied me on Twitter, so that's uh, that's, that's that's part of it. So that's basically uh, yeah. so you caved. Yeah, so you I, I caved. It was okay. Yeah. You know what? First off, good job, Marcus. Yeah. Because that's how you get it done. By all means, go for it. Did he oh. also flop? <laughs> no. Um, but I think big part of the reason is yes, it's the point of attack defense. Yes, it's the perimeter defense. But it's also the fact that him being the point guard and not just like surviving getting switched onto, but still being an advantage defender being switched onto all but the biggest players is so important to every, to what Boston does defensively. Like that's, and you know, and part of it is I don't think in a year where Bam Adebayo had played seven is going to play 70 games. I think he probably wins defensive player of the year Uh, or probably I would probably say he should. I think as of right now, he's the betting favorite anyway. So he probably will like, will actually win it. And I have no problem with that. But I think in a year where, okay, um, Giannis's teammates had been healthy so he could play his sort of more comfortable kind of rover role more um, in it, uh, or something like that, um, I, I, th- I don't think we get to Marcus Smart. But because, you know, Draymond's been out and Bam hasn't played all that much and Giannis has had weird lineup stuff and there's pretty significant voter fatigue with Gobert. And he frankly hasn't been as good this year. He's still been – He's been – Soft in games that matter, man. I mean, they got. I mean, they got. They got hammered by the Celtics. We're recording on Thursday. They got just like just stomped by the Celtics last night. And there's not a lot of shame in that right now because Celtics no. are doing that to everybody. But like, they got carved by Boston. You're not doing it to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, let's go into. The, let's just go kind of into this question then, because since we're on the Celtics, though, and and Seth continually tweets out why should i not why should i be talked into boston why should i be talked out of boston winning the championship or coming out of the east you know seth that's as when you're looking at them and obviously with one potential defensive player of the year probably an all defensive guy in robert williams if not he's going to just miss the cut because it's kind of a stacked field it's nice to actually have defense matter in the nba again um you know you're, you're you're kind of looking at it like what do you think of the celtics seth i mean do you think You've tweeted it a bunch. Do you think they're going to come out of the East? Uh, so I was I I I, I potted uh, yesterday Thursday with with Ben Taylor, and I like and we were like I asked him what he thinks about the Celtics. We had an immediate mind meld that we both think that they're coming out of the East. And with between the two of us and Kevin Pelton, I think that the uh, the nerd credibility is firmly behind. Like don't don't let us down, Boston. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you know what though, man. Like yeah. here's the issue though. What happens when they run into the Hoopers? Because I, Kevin Durant is an unsolvable problem for any defense. And I, I mean, obviously for Brooklyn, it's going to be about elevating their their play on the defensive end. And Boston can struggle sometimes to score. That's the, uh, I mean, that's the part I worry about. Like, not in games where Tatum plays well. Here's my pushback to all you guys. And I listen to these pods, and I honestly, 
I wish I can retort into all of these. I want to find a way to we, like. We, were, get a we record signal. with the live audience. Mo. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. Yeah, you talk to you all the damn time. But like when I listen to the other pods, or everybody kind of going nuts about the Celtics and praise them. They've been phenomenal. This is the thing, and this is going to go back to our 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 big question. And this is I'm going to ask this of you guys too. What do you guys look at as markers going into the playoffs? What is it you're looking at? Like we've done the conversation where what do teams look at? But what do we look at going into these playoffs? And for me, the big thing I'm looking at is crunch time stats. And that's where I think Boston worries me, right? I, I think they're, they're, they're short one shooter and you just look at their stuff there. And I'm looking at after January one, cause it's a different team. You can't look at it from the start of the season. I know that's what Seth wanted to come back at me with, and they haven't played a lot of games cause they're beating the crap out of everybody and kudos to them. They've only played 11 games. They're six and five and they have a negative 1.8 net rating. Right. And when you're looking at those things, there are questions I have in terms of after Tatum, I don't know who I trust to go get their shot one-on-one Jalen Brown's getting better. He's not there. He's not at that point. Marcus Smart still, listen, shooting the piss out of the ball, still a streaky shooter to me. You know, I, I feel like they're a shooter short. If you have Derek White out there, his jump shot has disappeared into the ether. You know, so maybe you have Peyton Pritchard out there. Like, there's a bunch of questions there. For me, that's my crunch time question for them. And that's my big marker going into the playoffs for all of these teams. And that's and that's the thing. That's why I do not think they're coming out of the Eastern Conference. This might come back to bite me in the ass, but... They're probably going to go to the conference finals, but that's about it. I mean, this is the beauty of this show, Mo, is that we can talk ourselves into and out of stuff. Like, this is great. Like, you know, it's Seth Seth tried to sneak one in. Seth tried to sneak one in there with who beats him. No, I don't. Who do you know? Who do you? So, no, I mean, it's, you know, that's obviously anyone we say is coming out of the East. Like, the field is the better bet just because there's so many teams that could. But, okay, who who do you think it is if it isn't Boston? It's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the Bucks. Man, this is our city. This is our city, man. We did it, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. All right. And I now, think the so, Bucks. The Bucks are the if they're healthy and every like as you know as long as nothing crazy happens. I just I think that they're the best team in the East still. They got the best player. Well, okay. So or here here's here's about. like my question is this is the way I've started to phrase things and and um uh, I I recorded a pod with my friend Brett Kermenis earlier this this week and he was making the point that. Basketball in the NBA is becoming a little more like soccer in that it's become more of a uh, a weak link game than a strong link game. Or it's you like you know for the last thirty years, basketball has been NBA has been about who has the best guy, and that's all that matters. And in playoffs, especially, it's becoming a little bit more about who's the worst guy on the floor. Um, and so that leads me to Boston has answers. They might not always be the best answers, but Milwaukee still has questions. Like yeah, it's gonna but, be the it's gonna be the it's gonna be the big three, and then and we can you know like like Boston's gonna have Tatum Brown smart on the floor, and they can pick between two of two two of four good options. Well, I don't. The, first off, for me, their only guy that's really gonna be able to create one on one is Tatum yeah. consistently, yeah. and 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 that's the thing. So like it's Tatum versus picking on everybody else. So look, we get it when they play the Bucks in the series, which is going to happen at some point because I think they're the two best teams in the East. You know, you're you're looking at it and you're going, okay, so they're going to go after 
Bobby Portis is probably not going to be on the court crunch time. I would bet it would be Lopez because you look when now that he's back and once he's the game he started, you can see the defense coming back there again, him at the rim, and now Giannis gets to play free safety. Scary in that issue, right? But you're going to probably target Lopez because of speed and things and make him switch in that type of situation. They have that hole on the wing. You know, it's going to be anybody between Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, or uh, whoever else we want to throw out there for them. And it's not great options there. But my question to you is, you know, when you look at it with the Bucks, they have three guys that can get their own shot at the end of games. And to me, the Bucks and, and, and to me, the Celtics have one. And I mean, Chris that, Middleton uh, destroys I, the Bucks. If you completely ruins the if you like if you if you want to go on Bucks Twitter after a loss, that's when you're going to yes. see a lot of a I'm lot sorry. of Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's <laughs> killing Chris Middleton the Bucks. Does, yeah. He destroys Every the Celtics t- somehow. I, I don't know why. He just does. We you can't know, we can't account for that. You know, but I think that's to, that's to me my big thing. And this isn't a shot at Boston, by the way. I love what you guys have done. It's fun to actually get to watch you again because the first two months of the season's freaking unwatchable. You were so bad. It's fun to watch this. It's fun to watch this growth and everything. I just think at the end of the day, they're just going to fall a little bit short and it's going to come down to crunch time. And I think that's where we're going to have those issues. And Seth, you're 100% right. And it's not something that the league's been trending to. It's been that way for a lot longer than people want to realize. We've been looking when I was in the league, who, which matchup can we pick apart? What switch can we get? And I'm old. So that's the, the, the thing there about the weaklings. And you're right. There's not a lot of them. But there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to hold up when the trio for the Bucks and they run that little three-man game that they run at the end of games. That's going to be tough to deal with. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to circle back to the question you asked about markers for playoff success. What are the things that we're paying attention to? Because I do think we're at the time where, especially given the standings and how tight some of these games are and how tightly contested, they are, we can pick up quite a bit from some of these head-to-head matchups and not so much, uh, like we talked about previously, not so much the individual head-to-head matchups, but how these teams are performing against other teams that are also trying really hard. I do think right now we're getting more information than we usually get at this time. You guys tend to agree with that? I, I do. Um, you know, we were talking pre-show. You guys, You guys were where like there's been some research that like the first segment of a season, the first 20 games of a season is generally more predictive of the playoffs than the last 20 games. Cause I mean, we, we, we see that where, you know, let's just say that the, the, the variation of how teams are playing, whether they're resting guys or whatever, um, it generally comes into play. We don't have that this year. Like, first of all, the first like half of the season was kind of a mess availability wise. 
And as you're mentioning, like there's so much jockeying for position. There's so much so bunched up that we're getting. I it really does seem like we're getting more. And maybe I'm being prisoner of the moment here, but it seems like we're getting a high level intense matchup between two con- teams that style themselves as contenders just about every night. There's pressure in these games, right? And, and it's it feels like play. It's not playoffs, but it feels like playoff pressure. And I think that that is giving us so much more information right now than we normally get because this is closer to how the teams are going to play in the playoffs than in December when they had all those 10-day guys out there. So I think – and I think the thing that really drives this home to me is usually like you know this time of year, we're watching the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. That's not like the quality of basketball is lower, but the intensity is – and then you go back to a regular season NBA games and it's just like not that. I haven't felt that this year. Like I went from like the last game of the last game last Sunday was the uh, was it TCU and um, uh, Arizona, and that was like a crazy intense overtime game. And then you start watching the NBA game starting on Monday, and it doesn't feel like there's a drop off. But and and that's a that's a change from from most years around this time. I feel like. Well, I, well, I think part of that is just look at the standings, right? And and just and to what you were saying, Dave. Right, the Eastern Conference is a four-team race to the number one seed. It's a one and a half game difference, you know. And and you know we, we're we're going to get into a little bit of that stuff too. Chicago's up on Cleveland by a game. Cleveland's up on Toronto just outside the playing tournament by a game. Right? That I mean, not completely out of the realm of possibility. Chicago slips all the way into the playing tournament. Like it's not. I mean, like this is these games freaking matter. You know, and you have jockeying in the Western Conference. Dallas and Utah are tied at the 4-5 seed. Nobody's touching Phoenix. Phoenix is the one team that's screwing up my argument. So screw Might be you, the story Phoenix. of the season, by the way, when, when it's all said and done. <laughs> right. But, you know, you have Memphis two games up on the Warriors. And really kind of three games if you consider the fact the tiebreaker after head-to-head is division titles. And Memphis is going to win the division, which abolish divisions. But that's a whole other pod for another day. Minnesota's trying to get out of the playing tournament. They're a game and a half out. Like all of these games carry significance. So it's, you know, the uh, and some young teams that are good, right? Like that's the other thing is I, I think that like young players, it, there is no coast for like Minnesota doesn't have a coast button. It's cool. They can't. Yeah. Not anymore. No te- it's gone, no te- man. It's gone. No te- it's a different, no it's a different vibe. No team but Phoenix can have a coast button no, right, and, right and, now but, going into the end of the season. And, and Phoenix and like you know, and Phoenix isn't coasting like they like you know last night. Uh, like there was close Minnesota Phoenix was a close game, and Phoenix was just like last five minutes. Enough of this foolishness. Thank you for coming, young young fellas, and just kind of and even without Chris Paul, just like you know, as they I mean, did, as they've, they've been got doing all. I mean, and, and Devin, yeah, and Devin Booker, yeah. and yeah, no, and, I, yeah. I mean they they basically said. Now let us show you why we are seventeen and a half games oh ahead of you goodness. in the standings. There, I mean, that's how wild. That's like they're they've been they're a wins machine, guys. They just make wins. Um, okay, okay, but back to the question. Yeah, why are they not the overwhelming favorite to win the title? <laughs> no, they they are in they my are. world. Yeah. In my house, yeah, they, yeah are. they are. You want to you want to go again? Back to my marker of crunch time, right? They are. They have a 30.5 net rating in crunch time, right? And this is according to the NBA.com stats. Guys, they are 29 and six in crunch time games. Now, nor- normally, I would, I would almost go the other way on that and say that that's sort of like that. There's some unsustainable 
but the fact that they are tending to go into crunch time you know not five point like not barely making it five up within five points <clears throat> and also the fact that they have you know they you know you, you talked about like boston who's their closer um milwaukee has three i don't think any of milwaukee's three are as good in that like get a bucket with your ball in your hands last five minutes last three minutes as as paul and booker are phoenix is as close to a perfect basketball team that's built somewhat conventionally as you can find they have shooting they have defense i mean they have a big who can i mean his jump hook is as almost as good as his dunk because well, we just see it so much more he doesn't it seems sometimes like he doesn't want to dunk <laughs> i mean if yeah. you're shooting 68 percent on a little jump hook by all means let's do that uh, now the, the, I, I do want to talk about specifically about the miami heat because they are the the one seed right now and i think it's a it's a completely different story than the phoenix suns I, we all believe in the Phoenix Suns. I don't think any of us believe in the Miami Heat. Am I wrong here? Uh, I want to get back to what I said earlier about, about questions, not answers. Because who has the ball in their hands at the end of the game? Is it Tyler Hero? Do we trust that? And who is who's on the floor for them at the end of the games? Like I think we've seen, okay, if they need to have Tyler Hero on the floor for offense... I think we know what happens on the other end. Like that is that is a that is a bright sign that uh, um, we, we were talking about who they who would they play earlier this week where it was just like every single action down the stretch was find his guy get him Philly. in action. It was, yeah, without Joel Embiid and that's right. James yeah, that's right. They were running offense. Imagine that. Yeah, um, weird. Yeah, they they ran every action at Tyler Hero. They went nine of twelve in the fourth quarter against Tyler Hero uh, individual defense. Now, obviously, that's not exact because there's a lot of fudging numbers there. But they attacked him on every possession, and that, and that was the difference in the game. That's how they won the game. But they have Miami has to play Tyler Hero. They 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 either have a a a solid five man defensive unit or they have shooting on the floor. They can't do. They can't have both. And this was the concern I had with last summer when they put the team together. Was that how do you marry these two? I don't know how how they could bring them together. And you know, PJ Tucker had is having a nice season shooting the ball, but PJ Tucker is not a shooter. Not not after the All Star break, Dave. His numbers have fallen off to twenty three percent on on threes after shooting forty something. Like that's the that's the difference. But like. The, the the crunch time stuff, and this is the bigger – this is, again, which is exactly what Seth's saying because that's a big problem on defense and him saying putting the ball in Hero's hands. Yo, they have no idea what they want to do on offense in close games. I'm watching that game, and I broke it down on Twitch uh, the next day, and it was appalling watching their offense because it's like, okay, they hunted Tyler Hero on the other end, and the Miami Heat chose not to hunt – on go after fork on Corkmas, right? Like, you know, put him in pick and rolls, right? And 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 go at that. Like instead, you know, they're they're constantly going at other guys. And I'm watching this going, like, you know, Corkmas is on the court right there. He ain't, he's not a good defender. Go take him. And we talked about this a little bit with how much can we how much can we take away from individual matchups, and especially because we we mentioned specifically Miami and how they'll throw stuff away, won't use things, run weird lineups. I don't know, man. I, I would love to chalk this up to, 
eh, they just weren't they weren't going to show any of their cards. But I just don't believe it. And in particular, because of the blow up they had on the bench with Jimmy Butler the other night, clearly, like, I mean, there's frustration. And I'm not saying that stuff is abnormal. That happens, man. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a big deal. But there is clearly some frustration with the way things are going. And, I, and they haven't even, they're six and four in their last 10. The, the, the sky is not falling for the heat, but I don't like what I see out of them. The sky was never up for me. For the like, let's just put it that way, you know, like this guy, you know, when you're talking about, they're just trying not to show their cards. They don't even know what their cards are. That's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's been a problem for them all year. Right. And it's a lot of it has been depending on Jimmy Butler down the stretch. That doesn't scare me. If I'm another team, that doesn't scare me at all. Like there's not a team I feel like that's really afraid of Jimmy going in isolation on the wing. Right. Like you're going to live with that. If he makes shots, he makes shots, but you'll live with it. You know, and I think those are the things there. And I just think they they play really solid offense for three and a half quarters. And when it comes to, to nut cutting Tom, they're not there. I think we we agree that that Spo is the best coach in the league. I think I don't think that's a controversial yeah. statement. And I think so. I think that their record is in some way a reflection of they haven't really had their team for a lot of this year. And, you know, oh, wow, that's, and on one level, wow, it's impressive they have this record because he's, you know, throwing together Max Struess and Gabe Vincent and Caleb Barton and getting these guys in. Um, but I think that sort of plays into, like, you have, you know, you know Kyle Lowry has been a guy, and he might not be anymore, and Jimmy Butler's been a guy, and the, but they don't, they haven't worked that through this season because they haven't had this available. And that was, you know, when they put this team that together, that was sort of my, I, I, I was actually worried that they would, that, about getting to the playoffs with like their, their main four guys all healthy. And it seems like at this point, it seems like that's going to happen, but all the stuff that's happened in between means that they haven't like, they haven't worked out how they play in these, in these situations yet. And trying to do it on the fly does lead to, you know, some frustration and some losses they don't think they should have. And yeah, there's, there's worries there. Seth, let me just ask you, What's your marker for for looking at the playoff teams going into the stretch right now? This is another thing that that like the weirdness of the first bit of the season is thrown off because um, uh, is is basically uh, performance against fifty plus win teams is you know as sort of that top tier of the league, which you know you can define it any different way you want. That's sort of that's that's the quick and dirty way I've done it, so I don't have to like pick and decide who. Uh, who who's good and not. Um, usually that's been, you know, reasonably predictive of who does well in the postseason. Unfortunately, this year so many of those matchups are kind of sullied by who had their team available when they played. You know, I was a little slow to really get on board with Phoenix because I looked at that and like in those matchups, Phoenix almost always had their guys in a lot of situations there are plenty of teams that didn't. Uh, and they had like among the better differentials in that area. And so it's like, eh, okay. But at this point it's so the body of evidence is so overwhelming and they've done so well without Chris Paul that. Well, okay. How about a team that isn't on the level of the Suns, but has a superstar and they have performed better with him out. And then of course, better is relative. He missed like 17 games. John Morant, when he misses games, man, the Memphis Grizzlies just still win. They figure it out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Does that, like, what do you do with that? Um, again, not playing bad players because Memphis has 10, 11 good players. But um, when the playoffs start, they're yeah. not going to have 10 yeah. or 11, yeah. right? Like, so yeah. the, the margins uh, uh, in which the, they have better players on the court, like their ninth and 10th guys are probably the best ninth and 10th guys in the league, maybe. And they probably have like the, you know, they have the best backup point guard in the league, perhaps in, you know, in, in Tyus Jones. So that, yeah. that certainly like softens the blow a little bit of, of when jaws out, but like in the playoffs, it's like, Oh, that's neat. You have a good backup point guard. Like, you know, you're not um, winning without John the playoffs. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Like yeah. I see and it's often used as a way to denigrate. Right. Like it's like, oh, we got to knock John down a notch because Memphis wins without him. But the truth is, man, like, yeah, they, they play good basketball. They got a really good coach and they're consistent that that's how you win overall. But John Morant is the, the straw that stirs the drink. He's the guy who is going to eat up the Utah Jazz in the paint. He is the guy who, you know, is going to put pressure on Golden State defense. They don't have anybody else that does the jaw stuff. And that's the playoffs. And I'm going to steal a Seth moniker here, but they got great team Mo, right? Like they got a whole lot of energy that you watch them watching that game against Brooklyn and jaw sitting there. He's celebrating with everything, right? The, the All the shots of the bench over and over again were them celebrating somebody else's accomplishments and things like that. Like the energy with that team and everything that they have, it's so much fun to watch. And it's, it's really kind of pulls you in and they're playing well. I mean, not enough has talked about Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense. You know, I know Seth awarded that to, to Marcus Smart and I'm sure that's, uh, 
perfectly fine and 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 you know he kind of got bullied into it but um by Marcus Smart again um but Jaron Jackson Jr has a serious case for defensive player of the year I, with the way this season I don't disagree for so if Jaron reasons. Jackson had tweeted at you you might have changed it yo Guys, I don't. Guys need to start listening to the pod. We're telling you how to get the awards. But I, don't, I don't actually <laughs> have a week, vote, so who cares? They don't need to know that. I'm just <laughs> trying to improve our listener base here. Seth, Seth come next on. week I need you to write the case for Jaron Jackson as defensive player of the year, just for me, because you know my legacy's on the line here with Jaron Jackson. But, it's very important to me that Jaron Jackson's <laughs> yeah. defense is uh, uh, given the accolades that it deserves. He has been fantastic he this has. year, and this is and this is a guy who's benefited from playing in the league, getting better. The officiating being different has helped him because he is able to use his body in the ways that you're meant to be able to do on defense. And now he doesn't, doesn't have the foul troubles to the same degree. He's also like, I, I think that the, like the officiating stuff has kind of normalized a little over the course of the year, but I think also he's, he used to also just pick up like, they weren't like, they weren't like, Oh, that's a bad call. It was like, why is your hand there? Fouls. Steph Curry. Yeah. Steph Curry yeah. fouls. Yeah. And you can't do that. Like as a guard, you can get away with that. As a big, like you, you're just in the danger too often. So for me, the the sort of the the knock, if it is on Jaron Jackson, is they're good in stretches when they play him at the five. I don't think that he can hold up still as a full time five, largely because he's uh, his his rebounding is still pretty mediocre. So that like. You know, he's he's sort of getting the benefit of what Giannis hasn't had all year. And he can play this like rover role. And then end of the game, they go smaller. Like, was it last week against the Knicks where basically like he seemed like he blocked about 17 shots in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Like, it, like in that end of the game when the other team goes small too and they're not really trying to offensive rebound, you can do that for stretches. So I think that, that like he's certainly there or thereabouts, but. Like that, so that's that's my case against him. But also, like it's also though, like it's everybody else, right? Stephen Adams has fit like a glove, and he's doing exactly what you're talking about when he plays at the five for this team. You know, Desmond Bain has taken another step in progression. We talked about Tyus Jones. Like this is just a very well-rounded team in everything that they have. Like guys, they're going to the conference finals, in my opinion. I think so too. I, I think you that know. they look. Phoenix should beat them. Phoenix should beat them but, in the conference finals. In the conference finals, yeah. <laughs> listen, I, I don't know. I mean, I think they match up pretty well with Golden yet. State. I think they match up pretty well oh, with I Golden that, State. I think I agree with Mo there. I think they beat Golden State. I think that especially af- after the Steph injury, I think Memphis is just. I don't know, man. It feels it, like Oklahoma City. It it and 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 like he's not he's not universally my favorite player. But I think we have decent history of Dylan Brooks as a guy who knows how to bother Steph. And with yeah. with that, like with like even with Clay coming back and Jordan Poole improving, like the Warriors still seem pretty damn dependent on Steph to have any kind of efficient offense. Yeah, and and part of that is you know I don't even like saying Clay's back or or anything like that, right? Like he's back next year. Yeah. This year is just, let me get my body to figure out how to play NBA basketball again. Like this is why I, I was really worried. He's been better than we could have recently expected, but he hasn't been clay. And, 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 and the expectations on him were wild to me of like, once we get clay back, we're rolling. And I love when they start that with the James, James Wiseman stuff. I'm like, y'all, he hasn't played 20 something games. Come on. <laughs> like, stop it. But this is, don't play your bad I players. Oh okay. yeah, I have I have I have a lot of questions about the Warriors because it's just 
Pool's on a hot streak, but he was on a real cold streak. What do you do when that happens again? Wiggins has not been the same Wiggins since the All-Star break. Like, I have a lot of, we always talk about who has answers, who has questions. Right now, for me, this Warriors team has a lot of questions. I've officially moved the Warriors below uh, Memphis and down in that tier with, like, Denver and Dallas where, eh, maybe. If, if everything goes, great. Yeah, but I, I think that it's Phoenix, and I got Memphis right behind them. Just they've just got so like you like you said, Mo. The team momentum does matter here, and, and in particular because of how good they are. This is not just a team riding riding momentum; they're riding momentum and also being a damn good team. I do I do want to push back a little. That's still uh, the gold is still, still above Dallas and Denver in that area for me just i just I don't mean think, a lot of stuff has to go right like i think that you know the steph know injury if, question is so huge for me i i i like denver i don't think belongs on that level i think that golden no. state in dallas like you know the golden state probably like home court whatever they probably have a a kinder run but i don't like i like is if you want to say golden state is like better heading into the playoffs in dallas sure fine are they like a tier better I don't know. I don't like. I don't. I, part of it. I don't. I frankly don't understand how Dallas is winning all the games they are. But <laughs> but at this point, at this point, you just have to say, well, they are, and so you know, let, let's go with it. Actually, the last two weeks they came down to earth a little bit. They they were like four and three. Their defense was worse. Their offense wasn't as good. But that I, I think that Dallas is finding a way to win some close games, and and that goes to Mo's point about what you're looking for heading into the playoffs. Do you have a guy that can get you a bucket? Are you able to score in crunch time? And having Luka Doncic is, you know, I dare say a luxury, guys. I think that's a guy you might want to have. And and Spencer Dinwiddie being a perfect partner next to him has worked out in a way that I don't even think anybody would have expected ever. Yeah, no, it's we've talked about it, you know, and I wrote about it. But just the fact that Mavs are able to kind of get away from heliocentric offenses you know, for for a good part of the games and things like that, it rests Luca. So now you have a rested Luca coming at you in crunch time, and you, good luck. Rested <laughs> and in shape. Rested and in shape. It has just been a different season for Dallas since he had that ankle injury. And and I think if you go and look, it's like January second. I think he came back from that, and they took off. And Jason Kidd will. I mean, I'm sure this is something we'll talk about this summer. But very impressed by the results of the coaching, whether it's the coaching or not, the results are undeniable. Uh, you guys got anything else as we wrap up? No, just go, go check out my Twitch stream. That's right. That's <laughs> twitch.tv. Uh, Mo, what was it? What's the URL? It's, 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 it's twitch.tv slash M O D A K H I L underscore NBA. There it is. Uh, the, I mean, I, I do have to pass on to Mo that uh, that Ben Taylor says he'll see you around the way. Tell Ben anytime he wants it, he can come get it. Anytime. You think I'm afraid of him? Ben, I'm calling you out. Let's go. WWF style. All that UFC style. I'm calling you out. Ben, anytime you want it, you come get it. I'm ready. We've been in the trenches on this pod, Ben. Good promo. Good promo. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Keep it locked in to the Athletic NBA Show, the best podcast you can find on the internet. Definitely don't overthink yeah, that. My book has got a hole in it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. 
I can't buy no beer Well, I'm standing on the corner With a bucket in my hand I'm waiting for a woman It ain't got no man Cause my bucket's got a hole in it Yeah, my bucket's got a hole in it Yeah, my bucket's got a hole in it I can't buy no beer Well, I went up on the mountain I looked down in the sea I seen the crabs and the fishes doing the bebop because my book has got a hole in it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. Yeah, my book has got a hole in it. I can't find no beer.